VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome to the Peter King Podcast. Happy you can join us to sort of dive into a lot of diverse NFL issues right now. Clearly, we have just exited the Combine. Uh, My partner, Miles Simmons, is back in Los Angeles. I am back in Brooklyn. We are joined together by the miracle of Zoom. And um, we've got a lot to talk about, really, uh, that it's it's kind of an interesting setting up to be a very interesting week uh, in pro football. Uh, First, uh, our guest this week. I interviewed Alabama quarterback Bryce Young at the Combine, so we're going to hear from Bryce Young. You'll also get to see him. This just in, he's not tall. Elsewhere, topics that we have, Derek Carr to the Saints, where that leaves the quarterback market. It's franchise tag time, and my guess, barring some feverish negotiations by the Ravens or Giants, and you'll probably know by the time you listen to this podcast, certainly soon after that, uh, what's going to happen to Lamar Jackson and Daniel Jones. You know, it's interesting. We're going to talk about Geno Smith a bit. I ran into John Schneider at the Combine. He seems confident that they're going to get a deal done, but, you know, we'll see. Um, You know, he talked, he has talked all along like he's confident. So we'll see what happens. Um, The world awaits Aaron Rodgers' decision uh, in Green Bay. The first pick of the draft is for sale, and it's not going to come cheap. If you read Football Morning in America this week, you basically will understand that uh, I interviewed Ryan Poles, the Chicago GM, the holder of the pick. Uh, He already, seven weeks out from the draft, uh, has one offer that will net him a first round pick in 24 and 25 by moving down. Carolina fascinates me. They got the ninth pick in the draft. They've got a very impatient owner. I don't know what they're going to do, Miles Simmons, but they're going to do something. So my Carson Wentz is a monstrous disappointment take, has drawn fire. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about what we've learned from the Combine. And finally, we will delve into free agency and why, in my opinion, free agency is going to be lousy in 2023. It's just, there's just not enough good players in the market. And we'll talk about that uh, coming up in a bit. So a little bit of an edit in the podcast this week. As we prepared to post the podcast, Just after 6 p.m. on Monday, the Eastern time, the Seattle Seahawks and quarterback Geno Smith uh, agreed to a three-year contract 
worth a little bit more than a hundred million dollars. Uh, it was reported by, I think, thescore.com. And I'm not familiar with thescore.com, but uh, this is the way that this was probably going anyway. And I'll just, I guess I'll just make one point about this. And the reason that I wanted to make this insert into the program is because two things happen that are really important, at least in my mind. Number one, this is basically Derek Carr has a three-year, $100 million uh, contract, okay? And what happened with Geno Smith in getting three years and $105 million as Jordan Schultz, if that's accurate, of the score has reported. Uh, I think it's fair and right that Geno Smith edged out Derek Carr for a very simple reason. Geno Smith played very well this year, and that's all you have to go by. Derek Carr didn't play well this year, was unceremoniously benched at the end of the year, and then didn't even finish the year with the team. So I'm not saying that Derek Carr is unsalvageable. I don't believe he's unsalvageable. But what I am saying is Geno Smith, just by virtue of the Derek Carr contract, deserved to make more. And he will make a little bit more. And this says one other thing to me about Seattle. Okay, Seattle basically gave this job to Geno Smith in training camp 2022. He earned it. And also the lack of availability of uh, of Drew Locke basically affected what happened in this. But what is so good about this is this team loves Geno Smith. GM John Schneider, Coach Pete Carroll, they love Geno Smith because they said to him, hey, this is a meritocracy. We want you to win this job. We want you to play great. Now he's played great. And now for the first time in his life, he's got more than a little bit of security. So I'm really happy for Geno Smith. And I'm glad for the Seahawks too, because it would have been very easy for them to say, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not paying you 34 million a year. Look, you know what? It's crazy. You got to pay what the market will bear. And finally, what I would say about this is what's great about it for Seattle and the future they don't have to take a quarterback at number five. They now don't have to move up to try to get a quarterback. And I'm not saying they won't take a quarterback if a guy who they absolutely love is at number five. But this allows the Seahawks, if they so choose, to get, in my opinion, the second best non-quarterback in this draft. I love it for Seattle having the fifth pick, not having to use it on a quarterback. It allows them to get a little bit richer in an important spot of the roster, whether you view that as a pass rusher, which they may do, whether maybe they take a chance on Jalen Carter. Who knows if he's sitting there at number five. Anyway, we're going to move on with the regular podcast, but I did want to be able to insert this just to be current as you listen to the Peter King podcast. 
So, Miles Simmons, how are you? You got back from Indianapolis okay. We saw each other. We had some fun. We had dinner Friday night uh, at a nice Italian place in Indianapolis. You helped me raise a lot of money for teachers' treasures in Indianapolis. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And hello, hello, hello. Well, that was certainly my pleasure. What a great event that was Friday night at the Sun King Brewery. And not only did we get to raise a lot of money, but we also had some pretty good beer. So, I mean, I don't know what could be better than that, Peter. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. People over the years, the last couple of years since I've been doing uh, these events with Teacher's Treasures as a beneficiary, I say, you know, it's kind of like doing something to help some branch of the military who can be against that who can be against helping people defending our country who can be against raising money so that teachers uh in some uh you know poor school districts in central indiana will be able to go out and once a year spend five hundred dollars or i'm sorry spend zero and get five hundred dollars worth of school supplies for their classroom. Our thanks, by the way, to the Indianapolis Colts for a bunch of auction items. Our thanks to Shane Steichen of the Colts for coming by. And our thanks to Jim Ursay, the owner of the Colts, who donated $10,000 to the cause. And uh, so it was really, really a fun night. Miles, you know, I think just to put one small bow on this, I would love you to explain, look, I've been go going to Indianapolis for, I think this is my 24th scouting combine in Indianapolis, but I'll ask you this question. For those who really don't understand why Indianapolis is sort of nirvana to hold the scouting combine, you have the floor. Explain, please. Well, for your 24th, it was my seventh, I think. And, you know, it's just so easy to get around Indianapolis. It's so easy to see everybody you could possibly want to see. I mean, you wrote it in your column. You know, you're hanging out with an NFL executive and you go on a nice little walk, but you really weren't ever very far from the center of everything, which is either the JW Marriott or kind of the convention center or Lucas oil stadium, I guess, depending on your perspective. But I mean, everything is connected by the skywalk unless I guess you're at the hotel that we were at this year, but that's neither here nor there. And also you've got everybody together in such a close setting. And so that's why when people talk about, Oh, you know, it could move to Dallas could be here in Los Angeles could be in these different places. You're never going to get that same sort of everybody is in the same place and everybody can go and walk and about 10 to 15 minutes later, they're going to see somebody that they really want to see who else who's also in the NFL. It's one of these very, very special times. And frankly, I love it because you get to see people that you don't usually get to see who, you know, and who work in this business. So selfishly, yeah. I would love it to stay there because I think it's awesome. And I, you know, you just don't get that same feel. I think if it's in LA and you know, you've got the convention center at one place, but then the hospitals are in a different place. And then that's the other critical part of this, right? It's about medical information and testing and those kinds of things. So yeah, if it's somewhere else, it's never going to quite be like it is right now. Yeah. Um, I, the way I explain this 
to people a little bit is to talk about uh, what happened to me last Wednesday when I got to Indianapolis. Um, I wanted to meet an NFL executive, a pretty high ranking one. He was done with his stuff for the day. And so at five o'clock, I met him. Uh, he wanted to smoke a cigar and take a walk. And we walked along this canal path uh, in downtown Indianapolis, which is absolutely lovely. And Indianapolis is such a livable city. I really like it. But anyway, we walked 3.2 miles, came back, he finished his cigar and discussed everything from A to Z in the National Football League over those 60 to 65 minutes. So that was fun. And then went out and had dinner, met with a couple more people. And then at 11.15 that night, uh, had a session with a general manager that lasted past midnight at his hotel. Those are the kind of things, those are the reasons why people like in our position, we want to go to the combine. We, It isn't necessarily about trying to figure out which quarterback is going to get pick number one. It's still so early for that. It's, I mean, it's March 6th right now. And so we have seven weeks before the draft. We don't know that. But anyway, we hope that the combine stays in Indianapolis. But again, the NFL will seek money and will do what it does. So, Miles, let's start off by talking about the the quarterback market right now in a lot of different ways. We're going to talk about the current veteran quarterbacks, the possible franchised uh, quasi-free agent quarterbacks, and then we'll talk about the college quarterbacks, and we will lead into uh, Bryce Young after all of this discussion. So I have two thoughts about Derek Carr and about what exactly his contract means. So obviously, uh, you probably have seen it by now. Derek Carr signs with the Saints. And Derek Carr signed with them for four years, $150 million. And I put that in air quotes because it's really a three-year, $100 million contract. In the fourth year, the $50 million salary is totally unguaranteed. He's not, that's, not going to see... $50 million in 2026, just not going to happen. This contract is a three-year, $100 million contract that basically all but guarantees Derek Carr $70 million. Not, I mean, a nice contract, but I saw a lot today. So, oh my God, he got rewarded for uh, leaving the Raiders and all that other stuff. I mean, look, people have to line up with quarterbacks. And so people are going to need quarterbacks at a reasonable price. For the New Orleans Saints to get their quarterback for the next three years, average $33 million, a guy who's got a few pelts on the wall, although I think he's really damaged right now. I mean, I, I don't think, first of all, it's not a lot of money in today's standards. Uh, you, you know, to be spending $33 million a year on a quarterback when we're probably going to see Daniel Jones get 40, between 40 and 45. So I thought the Saints made a good deal. Give me your thoughts. Yeah, I, I like this move for the Saints. Um, I, I, I don't know how much I love it for Derek Carr. Just, 
because look, Sean Payton's not there anymore. And, you know, we saw last year, Pete Carmichael leading that offense. It was okay. It was yeah. functional at times, but it was not what we'd seen with Sean Payton as the play caller. And, you know, you go back to that year, Sean Payton was suspended. The same sort of thing happened. So we'll see. It's not like Derek Carr is a young guy that needs to be developed, right? This is a veteran quarterback. We know who he is. We know because he's been in the league for a very long time and he's had exposure to a bunch of different offensive systems. And I think that that helps him going into the season where he's going to be able to be 32 years old. He's a veteran guy. He understands things, right? So his leadership ability also is something that I think helps the New Orleans Saints. But you know, you're in that NFC South division. Does this make the Saints the favorites? I mean, I don't know. What do you think, Peter? Even with all this instability going on around that division? I think it's too early to say uh, because – we don't know. We don't know who's playing quarterback for Carolina. Right. We don't know who's playing quarterback for Tampa. We don't know who's playing quarterback for Atlanta. Now, right. we think that Desmond Ritter probably is going to uh, probably is going to uh, play quarterback for Atlanta. Um, I had a good conversation with uh, uh, Falcons people at the scouting combine. Uh, and I would just say this about their situation. I think Atlanta is interested in investigating the whole situation about Lamar Jackson, but I cannot believe that they would offer him a contract that will be fully guaranteed. I just, unless, look, we'll get to this in a moment, but what I wrote in my column this week is simply that, and I, I believe it's really the only solution now, offer Lamar Jackson a short term, two years probably, maybe three, but two years, fully guaranteed contract. And, you know, Lamar Jackson thinks, I, I guess, you know, I have not heard from him, haven't talked to him, but Lamar Jackson thinks he is worth uh, a multi-year guaranteed contract. Well, I'd give him two years, but I wouldn't give him longer than that. If you give him two years, then again, he's going to be in the same situation at age 28. And instead of locking himself in for 45-ish over four or five years, he'd be locking himself in for 40 or 45 over two years, and then he'll be able to hit the jackpot again uh, when who knows what a quarterback is going to be worth, you know, in 2025 or 2026, 65, 70 million a year. I don't know, but it's going up almost exponentially. But I don't know what Atlanta is going to do, but I assume they're going to start Desmond Ritter. We know that Tampa Bay is going to do something at quarterback more than just hand the job to Kyle Trask. And we also know that the owner in Carolina, David Tepper, is very impatient and that we think, I think most people think, that they're going to try very hard to move up and to get the quarterback of their dreams high in the first round, trading up from the number nine pick. So I agree with you, okay? I agree with you that... Right now, today, if they kick the games off on March 7th, 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> that I probably would think New Orleans is the best team in the division. But it's like there's no division that is such a work in progress right now than, you know, than the NFC South. So we'll see that. So that kind of brings us to Aaron Rodgers. You know, as I say, by the time we hear from Aaron Rodgers, there's a chair, you know, it could be as early as Tuesday of this week with that decision having been made. It's clear that the Jets are very interested in Aaron Rodgers. I believe that the owner of the Jets, Woody Johnson, really wants Aaron Rodgers. So let's just say for the sake of argument that Aaron Rodgers wants to play football. Because, Miles, you know this. Aaron Rodgers is just a different guy. And we can all just sit here and say, oh, come on. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to isn't going to throw away, you know, $59 million for six months of work, which is basically what he'd be signing up for. But don't be too sure about that. You know, he he's a he's just a different guy. I think most people would say, give me the money. Where do I sign? He's just different like that. But did you leave Indianapolis after talking to people with much of a different view than it's either Green Bay retire or the Jets. Well, what I thought was interesting was hearing from Gutekunst, you know, early on in the week. And it just, I don't want to say that they're not, they're out of patience with Aaron Rodgers. Cause I don't think that that's really what the case is. I think that everybody just wants to know what his choice is so that everybody can then make the decisions that they need to make. I mean, green Bay has Jordan love, but if Aaron Rodgers says, I don't want to play here anymore, then it becomes okay. Well, now we've got to send you elsewhere and we need to figure out exactly where that is. So I'm, I am a little bit surprised that Aaron Rodgers has not necessarily made his intentions public at this point, because it seemed like at least before the Super Bowl, when he's saying, you know, I'm not going to hold green Bay hostage. You know, I'm going to go into this retreat. And then after that, I'm going to figure out what it is that it is I'm going to do. And, you know, you'll all hear from me and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not trying. And he said afterwards, you know, I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm just going through my process and it is what it is. So I, I'm just curious to what it is that the process has led him to, because, you know, you're in a room for four days by yourself and it's all dark and whatnot. That it scares me. Cause that just means a lot of time to think, right? I don't want to be with my thoughts that much by myself. So if he's been with his thoughts by himself that much and he's something that he's comfortable with, then it would, you would think that that would be enough time to really make you understand what it is that you want to do. And so at this point, it's kind of like, well, why don't we know? Maybe he's still going back and forth on it. And if that's the case, fine. But I think everybody, especially the Packers, want to know exactly what it is that he wants to do so then they can get on with the business of making that happen you know the more i think about aaron Rodgers, the more i think that you know he just might walk away but i think if pressed to the wall and again we're going to know soon soon enough i think he will play football this year that's just a guess i have zero inside information um, you know, as Rogers said, I don't know, a week or so ago yeah. when he uh, when he ripped Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport, who just, you know, the dudes have a job to do. I mean, come on. But um, 
as I as I looked at that and now look at Rogers, quite honestly, I I just look at a guy who I I don't think if I were him that I would want to leave football on what happened last year. Hmm. And Aaron Rodgers has this ethos that is, you hear it from him once a week, all through the season, that he hears the outside noise and he knows what people say about him. Uh, I think he would like to get in the octagon with Florio. And, you know, <laughs> basically, I think that Rogers, I'm not saying he has rabbit ears, but Robert Rogers listens yeah. to what everybody says. And by the way, by the way, for those who say Rogers will hate New York because if he doesn't win, he'll get killed and everything. Look, the Green Bay Packers are a national team, mm-hmm. you know, and and if you were to just look at New York and think about it and say, oh, boy, tough media, voracious media, the back pages of the Post and Daily News, it's it's a hard place to play. Honestly, I mean, think about it. Every team now, pretty much, if it's got great expectations as a national team, and you're going to get chopped to bits on first take and by Colin Coward and by Florio and by columnists. And think about it, Miles. In how many markets in the United States today do you legitimately feel suffocating pressure from the local media? I think that, I'm not saying it's totally gone away, but it's dissipated because it used to be 15 years ago, that the offices of the New York Jets, everybody would be getting the newspapers delivered to their doorstep in team offices. I can't find newspapers in most cities I go to now. That's number one. Now, clearly you can see them online, but, and again, I don't mean this in a really negative sense. I just mean it in a realistic sense. In an average NFL market, say, you know, we were just in Phoenix for the Super Bowl. Do you think that the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals and the coach of of the Arizona Cardinals and the big stars are really focused on what the Arizona Republic says? I mean, I don't think so. it's, It's changed. Media has changed over the years. But I'm just saying I don't think that Aaron Rodgers will shy away from New York because of the big bad media. Miles, I want to just take one minute and talk about the combine and talk about the quarterbacks at the combine and say, in essence, okay, you had three guys who worked out, Bryce Young who didn't, and Anthony Richardson really was an impressive physical specimen. And to look at him and listen to him, I saw Michael Smith's interview with him uh nbc's michael smith's interview with him and he's really uh a good he's a he's a good interview a good kid and um, i think he helped himself a lot at the combine i think also cj stroud i asked daniel jeremiah for his most impressive performers at the combine and number one on his list was cj stroud the quarterback from ohio state so, but but also the one other point I want to make that I think is really important. 
the most important things, most important, number one, the tape that all the scouts are going to watch. Far and away, the most important stuff. Secondly, the pro day and the time that each team that's very interested spends individually with these guys. And just think of it in this way. If you're about to devote, I mean, somebody may trade up and trade three first round picks to go get, uh, say, CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. or And so in order to do that, you have to feel really good about the person as well as the player, period. Yes. And, and so the key time in this thing is from March 22 to 30. In that nine-day period, March 22 to 30, there are going to be all four pro day workouts for all four of these quarterbacks. And it's not just the workout per se, which is designed to make the quarterback look good. It is the dinner the night before the event with a GM, a coach, and a club president from one team. It's the dinner after the event. It's you know, the hour and a half he spends on the board with another team. It's all this stuff. And so I wouldn't think of anything. I wouldn't think that much about what happened at the scouting combine with workouts, as Detroit coach Dan Campbell said, that are being held in your pajamas. So I don't want to be negative, overly negative about the combine, but there's 1,200 media people there every week, every year, and we all probably treat it as more important than it really is. Yeah. What I try to get out of those kinds of things is just how do guys come off? You know, you're, I was listening to Will Levis. Um, I got to Hendon Hooker and Max Duggan in their press conferences on Friday and you know you just listen to them and you just kind of want to hear okay do they sound like a quarterback and do they look like a quarterback because there's not much else that we can really tell in a media session and you know a lot of these guys have been being QBs for most of their lives so they understand how to do different things and they understand how to come off to the media and they all sounded pretty impressive to me and so when right. it's that and then you see what they do on the field Right. You just don't want to see them be kind of overwhelmed and have a bad workout against air because it, if they look good against air, good. That's exactly what they're supposed to do. If they don't look good against air, that's going to make you say, hmm, what else do we have of to course. look at? Yeah. So those things make you think, all right, well, CJ Stroud, yeah, he looked good. That's good. That's a, that's a box checked. Right. You just can kind of go back and look at the film and confirm those things. Now, Will Levis, he was a little more inconsistent. That's not something you necessarily want to see. All right. So that's another thing where you go back and you look at the film and you're saying, okay, is this what I was really seeing on the film before? And then you got a guy, you know, in Richardson who is an unbelievable athlete, but I still think he might need a little bit more seasoning. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, the yes. greatest quarterback in the league right now sat for his first year in, in Patrick Mahomes. So that's okay too. And then you also got somebody who intrigues me, Peter and Hindenhooker. And I don't know where we would be talking about him if he didn't tear the ACL because Tennessee's offense was great while he was that quarterback. So there are going to be options for teams in what it is that they want to do, whether it's at the top of the draft, whether it's at the bottom of the first round and the second round, et cetera. Um, but, 
you know, there's no guy that makes you like want to stand up on your chair like an Andrew Luck did, or maybe even Trevor Lawrence did and say, holy smokes, that's the one guy we've got to get. Bryce Young, probably the closest to it, but you know, you talk about the size and everything, there are still flaws and there are flaws with all these guys. So it's going to be interesting to see where they end up going. Agree. Totally. Um, the one other point I think I would like to make about just the college guys, we're going to talk in the second half of the podcast after Bryce Young, who's coming up, we're going to talk about why every one of these guys has a question mark about him, but we are also talking about getting a one this year and then two future ones probably as the floor for the compensation for whoever you trade for. So we'll talk about that on the, on the other side, but first let's go to my conversation that I had in Indianapolis with Alabama quarterback, Bryce Young. I think you'll get a good sense of who exactly he is from this conversation I had with him. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024. Cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. Back in the scouting combine, I'm here with Bryce Young, the quarterback from Alabama. And Bryce, the huge question that you're obviously getting everywhere is about your size. And I wonder, when teams ask you about that here at the Combine, what do you say to them and what do you talk about to get them, hopefully for you, not as concerned about your size? Yeah, um, you know, I've, I've been this size my whole life. I had definitely didn't shrink any time recently. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with, with myself. You know, I, I'm confident in my, my abilities. I know what I can do. And, you know, again, I, there's, you know, there's stuff that's out of my control. Um, but, you know, at the same time, again, I, I know myself. Um, I feel like I played at a, at a um, you know, in, in the highest conference in the college level. And, you know, I think that's, that's prepared me. So, um, you know, I'm super excited for this next challenge. Obviously, it's going to take a lot of hard work. Um, but, you know, it's something I'm ready for and I'm excited for. Is there anything about you that would watch a guy like Drew Brees or Russell Wilson and say, I mean, Drew Brees throw for more yards than anybody in history other than Tom Brady. If he can do it, I can do it. Uh, yeah, 100%. Uh, there's a lot of people that have paid the way, um, you know, for, for, for smaller quarterbacks. A lot of people that have done it at a really high level. And, you know, those are guys that, those are guys that have definitely inspired me a lot growing up, um, you know, guys I, I look up to. And, um, you know, I, I have so much respect for guys like that. And, um, you know, I, I think that, 
you know, I don't think their success necessarily entitles me to anything. But uh, again, it, it's a good source of inspiration for me. And you know, again, I, I know I have to to work. It's, it's going to take a lot of work, a, a lot of dedication. But you know, there's nothing I'd rather be doing. What What do you weigh right now? Yeah, I'm around the 200 range. Yeah. But what I guess you, we're gonna we're gonna figure out the official one pretty soon. Yeah, Everyone yeah. keeps asking. It's yeah. gonna come so soon. It's like tomorrow. Yeah, and uh, so the one thing about spread fields now, both in college and in pro football, hmm. if if it were if it were tight, it would seem to me to be kind of a disadvantage for a shorter quarterback. But when the fields are spread and you have more lanes that you can see. How much do you think that helps your game, the fact that fields have now been spread out both in college and pro football? Uh, yeah, you know, I think that, you know, I, from at the quarterback position, I think that helps us a lot. Um, you know, like you said, just, just being able to process, being able to, you know, put more stress on the defense at times with, with, with being things a little more spread out. Um, but, you know, I think whether you're in those condensed formations, you're spread out, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you got you to gotta make sure you're getting through your reads, you're processing your, your things, seeing things clearly. And, you know, again, uh, that's something I pride myself in, and I know it's going to be an even bigger challenge at the next level. Um, so I'm going to do everything I can to prepare, put myself in the best situation and learn, um, you know, so that I can try to process efficiently. What would you say is the most interesting or the best trait or thing that you take from playing for Nick Saban? Yeah, I think, um, you know, for playing for, for Coach Saban, um, you know, it's it's just that, that lack of complacency. I'm making sure that I'm, I'm pushing myself and, 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 you know, never satisfied with what I'm doing. And, again, a lot of that comes from Coach Saban. Um, obviously, he's had so much, he, you know, legendary, has so much success there, have coached some of the greats, won so many championships. But still, every day, you can see him pushing himself, um, see him, you know, upholding the standard individually and then holding us all accountable as a team. And, you know, I think that's something that's really rubbed off on me, being, me being, uh, being able to see that, um, you know, so consistently um, you know it makes me understand that you know regardless of, of what goes on whether it's a, a good game bad game whatever it is I have to make sure I keep keep getting better keep pushing myself and, and holding myself to that standard playing for Bill O'Brien who now goes to the New England Patriots it's like I wonder what do you take from Bill O'Brien and how do you think he helped you become a better quarterback yeah uh, coach OB he's helped me so much um, you know um, came in from you know from the NFL level and then obviously now he's back there um, so a lot of that that mentality um, there's a lot of things uh, schematically that, that we've been able to talk about uh, you know but on top of that the, the responsibility that you know he gave me and and, and, and the freedom and the trust that he gave me um, you know in the run game in the pass game protections everything like that um, you know he put a lot of responsibility on my shoulders and that's what allowed me I feel like to, to grow to the player that I am um, you know him trusting me to do so much um, him him kind of giving me the freedom you know once I, I earned that freedom and that trust from him him. Um, you know, I'm, I'm super grateful for that. And, you know, he always, always supported me, always had my back. There was a lot of football conversations that we were able to have that definitely increased that knowledge that I have now. Um, so I'm, I'm super grateful for OB, and I know he's going to kill at the next level. What has been the experience here talking to teams, talking to coaches, maybe guys you have only seen on TV before? Uh, yeah, it, it, you know, it, it's surreal. Um, again, me being being here, um, like you said, talking to teams, talking to coaches, and just being able to soak that knowledge in, um, you know, seeing how, how, how they coach me, um, being able to learn a little bit about their systems, what they're looking for, their philosophies, along with, you know, doing my best to, to communicate, um, you know, what I what I see, what I believe in, all that stuff. It's been, you know, I'm, I'm super grateful for this process. I feel like I'm, I'm walking out of here with so much knowledge, so much wisdom, and again, like you said, I, there a lot of coaches, a lot of people that I, I've looked up to and been able to admire from afar, and now being able to meet them and talk ball and, and to get that knowledge. I'm, I'm super grateful for that opportunity.
do you feel competitive with the other guys, other quarterbacks at the top of the draft? Do you do you watch C.J. Stroud? I mean, you go way back with C.J. Stroud. Yeah. Do you walk, watch C.J. Stroud and say, "I'm better than this guy"? Or how, how do you how do you look at it? Look at the competition between you guys. Uh, you know, for me, honestly, I've always been someone who's who's been self motivated, and you know, I, I really just push myself to be the best version of myself. Again, I, I you know, obviously, how what other people do, I, I can't control. So for me, uh, what, what's important for me is to, to push myself to be the best version of myself, and especially in this class, you know, I'm I'm, I'm like you said, I, I'm super close with CJ. That, that's my brother, and, and a lot of other people in this class, you know, I, I know really well. And you know, we always, you know, I, I root for all of them. We all root for each other. All support each other. You know, we kind of share that a, a lot of similarities. And, and we know what it's like being in each other's shoes. Um, so, um, you know, watching those guys, I've watched a lot of them on tape, and, you know, I've been able to learn from them. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm super happy for all the success that they've had. And for me, you know, I just try to be the best version of myself. Last thing, Dan Orlovsky of ESPN put out a throw that you made uh, at Alabama last year. And what was so interesting about the throw is that he said, Basically, this is an NFL throw because if you watch, he st almost stares at the middle safety. Okay, he knows he's throwing the ball to the right. Okay, but he almost stares down the middle safety so that he can't get over there in time. And you knew that you were going to throw the ball, I don't know, maybe 25 yards, corner route to the right. How much of an education about all levels of football have you had and do you feel like because there will be pressure on you to mm -hmm. play very early in the NFL which is not very easy to do what about the preparedness of plays like that to be ready early on yeah, I think I've gotten a tremendous amount of guidance from the coaches and people around me. Um, you know, I've been blessed to have the coaches that I've had that have instilled, uh, you know, so much, so much knowledge into me. And you know, I think you say it yourself, like you said, that that preparation, um, that's something that I pride myself in. And you know, I obviously know that this next step, this next challenge, I'm going to have to be more prepared than ever. Um, and you know, I, I feel like the knowledge that I've, that I've, uh, you know, that I've learned in the past, on top of what I what I look to gain and from from my you know my future coaches and all the people around me, um, you know, we're all going to, to try trying to be prepared, um, and, you know, that's a challenge that I'm definitely looking forward to. Bryce Young of Alabama, good luck in your NFL career. Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. My thanks to Bryce Young. Uh, my thanks to Morgan Miller, my producer, videographer in Indianapolis, for her work uh, getting the Bryce Young conversation done. Uh, soon, you will hear from I had another conversation there with C.J. Stroud, so soon in a future podcast, you'll hear the words from the Ohio State quarterback. So let's get to part two of the pod where we talk about several different things other than just strictly quarterbacks. But Miles, let's start off with my conversation that I wrote about in my Football Morning in America column this week with Chicago General Manager Ryan Poles. And... So Ryan Poles is obviously in his second year. He's only, uh, he's in his mid-30s. He's a very kind of optimistic, sort of quiet guy, but he's a very much of a football traditionalist. He played football at Boston College, and then obviously he started on the scouting trail uh, soon after he left BC. And so he basically has risen through the ranks and this is his first big deal. 
And I sat with him for about 50 or 60 minutes on Saturday morning in his hotel room, uh, 19 floors above downtown Indy. And I got the impression that if you want to make a deal with Ryan Poles right now, you're going to have to blow him away. Otherwise, he's going to wait and he's going to let teams get more and more excited about these quarterbacks. Another reason why you need to wait until the end of March when teams get to meet with these guys and a coach says to his general manager, I really want C.J. Stroud. Let's see what we can do to try to move up to get C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or whatever. But, Miles, your thoughts on the Bears at number one and how much of a hard bargain can they afford uh, to drive right now? I think they, they're they in a great spot. I mean, because even though these quarterbacks are flawed, a lot of teams still need one. And, you know, coaches sometimes say, if I see a player do something once, I can coach him to do that a bunch of times. So you can coach yeah. out the flaws, basically, right? So if you fall in love with one of these guys, you go on a workout, you put them on the board, and you see that quarterback do this, 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 and you guys are speaking the same language. And basically, as you were just saying, Peter, you fall in love with that guy then you're going to want to trade up because you want to make sure you get him because once you get the franchise QB, then everything else can fall into place around that. And if it takes two first round picks, if it takes three first round picks, three first round picks and a third and a fourth or whatever it is, you want to do that because it means that you've got the guy. And once you have the guy, you're in a much better position than you would be otherwise. So from that perspective, the bears think that they already have their guy. Right. Ryan Poles makes it pretty clear that they want to see things through with Justin Fields. And when you see the kind of explosive plays that Justin Fields put out there last year, you absolutely understand that. So it's so interesting now that, you know, if not for the Texans making that comeback against the Colts, then we're having a completely different conversation right now here at the beginning of March than we are. And, you know, if you're the Chicago Bears, yeah, maybe there would be some interest at number two overall. But from number one overall, you've got the Texans still right there at number two, and they will probably want to be able to go up to number one, maybe not trade as much as they would have to if they were further back, so that they can ensure that they get the quarterback that they want. And then if you're the Bears and you're at number two, well, then why wouldn't you want to necessarily look at who can come up in that top ten and get the quarterback that they want, but you don't want to go too far, right? I mean, maybe you want to go down to four. Maybe you want to go down to seven. Maybe you don't want to get past there because, I mean, as Ryan Poles was saying to you, they don't want to lose one of their blue chip players, right? The top guys that they've got rated on their draft board. And they don't have, you know, more than 10 of them. So there are a lot of things that the Bears can do right now to ensure that they get maximum value for that number one overall pick. But yeah, if I'm Ryan Poles, I want to make it known I am open for business as he did with you. And we'll see if somebody can come in and absolutely blow me away to make sure that they get the guy that they want. And it allows us as the Chicago bears to then build our future with a bunch of high picks. I think one of the things that you just said is something that I've thought a lot about ever since I walked out of that room with Ryan Poles. And that is <clears throat> building the future with high picks. 
Hmm. Because if you think about it, there's a very good chance that for as long as Ryan Poles is a general manager in the NFL, he will never have an opportunity like this in his life, ever, not even close. So here's what, the only reason I bring that up is that, in my opinion, because of what we have seen in the last few years, okay, and I'm going to bring up one as an example, because I had somebody, let's say, let's just call them somebody with knowledge of the Carolina Panthers thinking, tell me last night, my last phone call of the weekend, tell me last night that I wouldn't be so sure about about David Tepper, you know, going so all in on one of these quarterbacks because they think that Chicago is basically going to ask you to denude three drafts to get this quarterback. And although you're nowhere, if you don't get a quarterback, there's also the thought that if you don't have people to put around him, if you don't have enough offensive skill players to put around him, should you really be trading for this quarterback in this? But I, I will just, I'll just make this point. So going from number nine to number one, which Carolina would have to do to take the kind of player that it really hopes to be able to take. If you, if you equate that, try to think of a trade, in my opinion, something that could be very close to that is in 2021, Miami and San Francisco trading so that San Francisco moved up from 12 to three. Now, 12 to three is pretty similar to nine to one, except if there's an Andrew Luck or a Peyton Manning or whatever involved in the draft or Joe Burrow, that there's almost a singular person at the top of the draft. There really isn't that this year. So, so I can equate these two things and just think about this. When Miami traded down from three to 12, think about what they got in return. They got a, they got the uh, 12th overall pick in 2021. They got first and third round picks in 22. And they got a first round pick in 23. Right now, and they got, they picked Trey Lance. Mm -hmm. I will not take, to go that, that number of picks, I absolutely unequivocally would not take less than that if I were trading from one to nine. So in other words, if I am, uh, if I'm right now, if I'm Ryan Poles, I am saying, let's let's just put this on a scale and measure it. If if a team is going to give three ones and a three to move up from twelve to three, you've got to be able to say the exact same thing to move from t- nine to one, and. Y- Maybe you've even got to give a little bit more like a two instead of a three. So again, I think Ryan Poles 
is going to get a landmine of or a gold landmine is going to get a gold mine uh of picks for this guy and if i'm him i am taking it right up to the end and if i don't get my offer if somebody chickens out he told me he's already got a 24 and 20 he's got first rounders in 24 and 25 on the table and if i can't do better than that maybe when it gets to be you're on the clock with your pick that day. Maybe you say, am I going to take it or am I just going to sit where I am and take Will Anderson, you know, the pass rusher from Alabama. So in my opinion, Ryan Poles in the driver's seat. I would love my position if I were him right now. I mean, you could do worse than taking Will Anderson, right? I mean, absolutely. I, you know, that's yeah. that, that looks like a guy who is going to be an absolute impact player in this league. And I think we know that when you're looking at defenses, you need that kind of dynamic pass rushing presence, whether it comes from the interior, like the Rams with Aaron Donald, or it's the edge with guys like Nick Bosa or whoever, right. Or Chris Jones is also an interior guy. I feel like I should mention, cause he just won the Super Bowl. Like the, you need that. So if you're building your team and you want more high picks, you need the Chicago bears. Absolutely. That's something you want, but you know, if you got to pick number one overall and it's Will Anderson, that's, that's not a bad thing at the end of the day. At least that's what I think. So there's two teams. I had many conversations about teams and who might trade up when I was in Indianapolis. And one of the teams that's thinking about it, uh, one of their a veteran, let's just say a veteran front office person for this team said, we're tired of the Band-Aids. So think about that, Miles. What teams in the top 10 would be most tired of the Band-Aids? Number one, Indianapolis. Yeah. They've had five different starting quarterbacks in the last five years. I mean, uh, on opening day, they've had a different starting quarterback five straight years. And then the Carolina Panthers, who essentially have an owner who's very impatient, very wealthy, and just wants this problem solved. And so when I look at the Carolina Panthers, the one thing I say is that, and we saw it with Stephen Ross in Miami, uh, we've seen it with other owners who are fabulously wealthy. They think, I'm going to throw money at this problem and I need to make it go away. It's a little different with the quarterback market, but I just think that my gut feeling it's going to be Carolina or um, the Indianapolis Colts who probably will want to give the most to move up to number one. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, especially you're talking about the Colts and the Band-Aids and everything. Everything that's gone on since Andrew Luck suddenly retired has just been this kind of weird and kind of bad merry-go-round, right? Phillip Rivers was effective in the year that he was with the Colts, obviously they made it to the postseason. Um, but then you look at Carson Wentz, right? You look at Matt Ryan and those Matt, Carson Wentz wasn't as much of a disaster until the end of the season. Matt Ryan was a disaster of a, of a free agency, excuse me, of, of a trade that they made to acquire him, right? That just did not work. And frankly, it might've cost a lot of general managers their job, but Chris Ballard is still there. And so he's got another shot with Shane Steichen. And, and I think we know enough about Shane Steichen's coaching to know that he can train up a young guy. Look at what he did right. with Justin Herbert. And look at what he did 
with um, Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia, really completely retooling that offense for the specific quarterback, calling plays for the specific quarterback. I think that bodes well for what could happen with Indianapolis, whether they go up and they trade and maybe they get to number one, maybe they get to number two if they have to, whatever it happens to be, if the Texans happen to move up to number one. But I, I think that they're in a pretty decent spot either at number four or if they move up to get a quarterback because and, and get that guy on the right track in part because of who they have as their head coach. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think the biggest thing to consider going forward when you try to figure out who might make that deal, what coach will be exceedingly motivated to make the deal. I think Frank Reich will be what owner will be exceedingly motivated, uh, Chris, or uh, uh, obviously David Tepper. And yeah. and so, and then I also look at the Indianapolis Colts. Chris Ballard, man, this is like, uh, this, is, this is the last dance for Chris Ballard. He's got to get this right with this quarterback. And also the new coach, Shane Steichen, you know, he didn't come in to uh, have... Sam Ellinger be his starting quarterback. So there's going to be, there's going to be some major changes there. And Jim Ursay, the owner of the Colts clearly is going to want a huge uh, upgrade at quarterback. So anyway, we'll see what happens. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid scale solar energy in Ohio and Producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Miles, let's talk about the quarterback who came into the league seven years ago, Carson Wentz. I was kind of blown away a week ago as we got prepared to do this show when a tweet came out from at Commanders, which said, very simply, this is all it said. We have released the following players. S, meaning safety, S, Bobby McCain, QB, Carson Wentz. That's it. That's it. Nothing like, hey, thanks for the effort, Carson, or whatever. Nothing. Nothing. It was just a little chilly, to say the least. And so I just thought about it, and I said, think of the immense downfall in the life and the career of Carson Wentz. And so I added everything up. Carson Wentz in his career went 46, 46 and one. He has made $129 million. As Ian Rappaport said, he was at the combine uh, with his agents. He wants a job. He still wants to be a quarterback in the NFL. But 
I basically went through what it costs. It's not only Philadelphia paying them 79, Indy paying them 21, Washington paying them 28 million. It isn't only that. It's the fact that those three franchises to acquire Carson Wentz, either to acquire the draft pick to pick him in Philadelphia's case or to trade for him in the cases of the Colts and Commanders traded three first round picks, a second round pick, four third round picks, and a fourth round pick. That's nine picks altogether, all of them in the top 100 of the last six drafts. And so last seven drafts, excuse me. And so <clears throat> I'm not, Carson Wentz is a pleasant guy. I've had a, a nice relationship with him probably up until now. Um, but I've had a very nice relationship with him. He's a good human being. But the fact is, in my opinion, this he's, I, I would argue that no player in NFL history has cost so much and delivered so little. That's what I wrote. And online today, I mean, I guess I understand people are saying, hey, he went 11 and two in 2017. And even though he got hurt, he helped the Eagles win the Super Bowl that year. Absolutely. He does deserve credit for that. And an injury knocked him out of there. So, uh, again, I feel for the guy. But a lot of people get hurt. A lot of people have setbacks in their lives. And what happens? They come back and they're great again. Carson Wentz came back, was never great again. I'd argue was barely good. And now you've got the Washington commanders releasing them in a bizarrely chilly tweet that to me just says it all about what has happened in the life and time of Carson Wentz. And I, Miles, you, I don't even, I'm, I'm assuming you, you probably saw this item, but I, we haven't discussed this. We haven't talked... I'm really curious what you think of sort of Wentz's impact in the game and whether you would say, oh, there's got to be 20 guys who have been bigger busts and cost more in compensation and draft compensation than Carson Wentz. <laughs> Peter, say impact in the game. What impact, right? I mean, if we got to go back to the first half plus of the 2017 season before yeah. he, you know, got injured and tore the ACL in a game I happened to be at and covering at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum against the Rams. Look, I, I don't really know what we're doing. You know, he had flashes in 18 and in 19, especially you know, when he was uh, toward the end of the season, I think it was in 19 where he was really kind of carrying that team and then they got to the playoffs and then um, he suffered the concussion and then it was basically over there, you know, and then they, they drafted Jalen hurts and he didn't respond well to that. He was sacked the most times in the league tied for the league lead in sacks in 2020, despite the fact that he played four fewer games than the other sack leader. So I'm just, I've never been one to really see what exactly we're supposed to think positively about with Carson Wentz, at least from the 2020 season on. I just don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, and it's funny because, you know, a couple of years ago, we were kind of at the same point with Jared Goff, right? 
And now Jared Goff has gone to Detroit. He has revived his career. Ben Johnson, their play caller, offensive coordinator, has been great with him. Dan Campbell's been great. They don't even feel like they need to draft a quarterback right now because Jared Goff has been that guy. So things can happen to you, but it's how you respond to it. Yeah. And frankly, Carson Wentz just never really responded all that well to the adversity that he was dealt. And now, I mean, would you really want him to be on your roster as a backup quarterback? Do you, would you feel confident in him as a backup? The only I don't way, know that I would. The only way I would is if I were, let's say, Andy Reid. And I think it's a natural for him to go play with Andy Reid. I would, I think it was okay. But what I would want to do, Miles, and this is absolutely essential, I want to sit across the table from him because I've heard that he became an uncoachable player at times. And so I want to say, hey, listen, you know, the way we're going to structure this contract, the way we're going to do this, we need you to prove yourself to us. Yeah, That's the way I would do it. And if you wouldn't do that, Give me, uh, I don't know, I, I give me Andy Dalton. And I know everybody's going to say, oh, that's ridiculous. Is it? I don't think, I don't it, think it is. I, I don't, I just don't think it is. And I, and while I wouldn't be shocked if he made somewhat of a comeback, Carson Wentz has to rearrange who he is as a person and a player. And he's got to throw himself on the mercy of a coach and a coaching staff and say, I'm modeling clay. I'll do whatever you tell me. That's what he has to do. I think anyway, um, last thing I want to talk to, I just want to get into free agency a bit. And for those who don't really follow it, uh, just to understand that free agency will essentially begin next Monday, March 13. And there's this thing in the NFL that's called the legal tampering period. And it is basically a 48 hour window where all the deals get done. Essentially, you can't sign them officially, but all of them verbally get done. And so when we record our podcast next week, Miles and I will know where a lot of these players are going. But in my opinion, the best player on the market this year and I'm not talking about the quarterbacks who are going to get tagged or who may get tagged or like Geno Smith. Let's just talk about all non-quarterbacks, okay? I think the best player in the market is Javon Hargrave, defensive tackle for the Eagles. And then I think there's two excellent corners, Jamel Dean of the Bucks, James Bradbury of the Eagles. And then after that, I think there's two good tackles, Orlando Brown, who was informed by Kansas City general manager Brett Veach that he will not be franchised so he will be hitting the market and San Francisco right tackle Mike McGlinchey who probably is not as good as Orlando Brown but I don't think he will be as costly as Orlando Brown so and I think for all the rest of you know the free agents I you know, Miles, I really respect Pro Football Focus. I think it's a fantastic organization, really, really smart people looking at football. And when I looked at their list of the top 100 free agents, number seven on the list was Jacoby Myers, the Patriots wide receiver. We all like Jacoby Myers. He's a nice second or third receiver on your team. 
but to have him number seven on the uh, on the list, and I think probably pretty clearly the top wide receiver in free agency, that just shows you what a crummy class it is. And again, I like Jacoby Myers. I think he is a good contributing player, but he's not somebody who's going to change your team. So that's sort of the way I view free agency. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I don't think Jacoby Myers is going to be a wide receiver one for anybody. And I, and that, right. to your point, that's kind of just what it is, right? I mean, unless we see some more veteran receivers get released over the next week or so, then this really is not a very strong receiver class. And that's okay. You can go into it. You can go into a team and you can become something that you haven't been before. You know, I think about that with Robert Woods when the Rams signed him in 2017 and everybody was like, what the hell are you doing? And then you see him on the field and, you know, he was really, really good. He was the top receiver for the Rams until Cooper Cup kind of took over that role. So there, there are opportunities to get better. Um, but I mean, you mentioned the guy that honestly, I, I feel like is probably one of the top players on the free agency board and that's Orlando Brown. And when yeah. you've got a left tackle out there, who's been as good as Brown has been, who's been as consistent as Brown has been, who has been a part of the kind of offenses that he has been a part of um, and excelled. I think that that's somebody that a lot of teams are going to want to bring to the table and say, Hey man, yeah, we would love for you to come and be our left tackle for years and years and years to come. And by that same token, Kansas City was trying to do that when they traded for Orlando Brown a couple of off seasons ago. They really remade their offensive line and it worked, obviously, because Kansas City just won the Super Bowl, right? But I think, Peter, if there's anybody who has earned the right to sort of say, all right, you know, we thank you, Orlando Brown, but there's a number that we don't want to go over and we're not going to do that. And we're not going to franchise you because we need to find a long-term solution this offseason at left tackle. And we believe we can do that. Brett Veach has earned the right to do that. I mean, think about all of the picks that they hit from last year's draft, all of those different contributors that they had that were rookies. Now, you have a situation where, yeah, Brett Veach also traded Tyreek Hill and they remade the wide receiving core and Patrick Mahomes is better than ever. If anybody can do this and figure out a solution at left tackle, it's going to be him. So I think it's very interesting that the chiefs are letting their left tackle kind of go. And who knows, perhaps they work out something once Orlando Brown hits the open market and maybe things aren't quite as lucrative as he thought they would be. But I think Brown's going to be playing elsewhere. And I think the chiefs are going to have a new left tackle. And that's somebody that they absolutely have to get right. I think Brett Veach probably is going to make that happen. Yeah, I think the more I look at this as we learn that Brett Veach was not going to uh, franchise Orlando Brown, what, what really occurred to me, Miles, is that this is this sort of has a tributary into last year when Orlando Brown wanted a jillion dollars mm -hmm. a year ago. And I forget what the numbers were exactly, but he really wanted huge money. And Kansas City, basically, they didn't inflame the situation. They said, we're not going to do this. They just let it go. It simmered down. And finally, he ended up playing for him. And look, players only have this opportunity once or twice in their careers. Yes. 
I applaud Orlando Brown for trying, for telling Kansas City that, hey, listen, I, I, I want what I have no idea what the numbers are that he's asking for. But he can ask for whatever he wants. But it's in some ways, it's kind of like Lamar Jackson. He can ask for whatever he wants, but the team doesn't have to pay for it. And in this particular case, I still think he's got a very good chance of coming back and playing for Kansas City. Unless Team X says, we'll give you $28 million a year at, you know, guarantee or, you know, with 60% guaranteed over the next five years. Then, of course, he's going to go. Yeah. But I think good for Orlando Brown in doing this. I think it's it's fine. And also good for Kansas City keeping its options open and understanding that Andy Reid is going to devote so much time, so much energy to both lines. He always has. And if I were Patrick Mahomes, I wouldn't be worried about who's going to play left tackle. Of course, I'd want Orlando Brown there, but if not, we'll handle it. So I don't view this as any sort of existential crisis mm -hmm. for Kansas City to, you know, try to be able to repeat uh, as Super Bowl champions. Miles, we have really beat up the clock again this week. Yeah. I don't know how anybody can listen to an hour and 20 minutes of our palaver, but, and I don't think it's an hour and 20, but whatever it is this week, I just wanted to sort of download everything I was thinking in my head. You did too. I hope everybody appreciates it. And if you don't, here's the thing. It doesn't cost a dime. So all you did maybe was waste 70 minutes of your life while you were out walking the dog in Kenosha, Wisconsin and had your AirPods in. So anyway, uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned a little something on this podcast. Miles Simmons and I will be back next week to really sort of rake over the crumbs <laughs> in free agency and see what has happened and see, as was told to me, over the weekend, this could be a year finally where teams let the dust settle for a while first after the first few guys go off instead of going nuts and signing B players for $20 million a year. But anyway, we'll see what's going on next week. We appreciate you joining us this week, and we'll be back next week with another edition of the Peter King Podcast. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.